This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Thank you for listening to the FCS Podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe? This is the FCS Football Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Sean Anderson, my good friend, who is talking to me in our Discord, and we have a lot to discuss with you today because the season has finally come to an end. It all has come down to the national championship, and we witnessed North Dakota State winning yet another FCS national championship. The season is done. The game that we were all waiting for throughout this season came and gone and honestly, it, it pretty much, I would say, fit our expectations for an exciting game. Did not fit my expectations because I was very off in my score prediction because I said this game was going to go into the 40s and 50s. But nonetheless, it was still a very, very exciting game. I told you it wasn't going to be that high scoring. <laughs> 40s and 50s? I got excited. What, I said I said 24-20. Two JMU field goals. I called JMU score perfectly, by the way. Wait, what was your score? You said 24-20? Yes. Oh, so you, Final score, 28-20. So who do we give credit to, you or Adam Sabula? What is Adam Sabula's? Let me let me pull it up. Yeah, also, Kenneth Ritchie. I'm sorry, Joe yeah, that is was inept a... <laughs> and can't understand which team is the winner in the game. Yeah, uh, Adam I, Sabula right here. I completely... Adam Sabula, I, North Dakota State, 31-21. So who do we, who do we, who's more right in that situation? That was the... we are both technically four points off, but I think that since I had one exact score, I might have to take the win. 
Uh, is that fair? Is that fair? I, I, I think we should. I mean, I, I, you should post a poll on Twitter. I think that's how we should decide it. I'm just saying. Oh, because we got so many responses to our score guesses, right? <laughs> Thanks, Blythe. Thanks, everybody else. Thanks, Kwame, Rusty, everybody. Uh, you no, can't. You can't like, fault like them. Four guesses. I thought we were gonna get ten at the least. It's like the biggest game of the year. Uh, some people are. I don't know. They're quiet. They're not. They're not as wound up. I don't know as how. I don't know scores. how we're gonna tap into the North Dakota State fan Twitter and get them rolling with us because we talk about them every show. I, I don't know who else does. Yeah, uh, I, that's a good point. I feel like we don't interact with that many North Dakota State fans as many as we should be. Maybe it's just because we're. East Coasters, we're getting all the GMU fans, and they're willing to listen to us. I tried to f- – oh, because we both knew Peter Mooney because this has been a GMU show. It was a Villanova show for the first six games of the year. <laughs> and I, I followed like like six North Dakota State people on Twitter because I saw they liked to tweet. I'm like, okay, here we go. Maybe maybe they'll start catching on a little bit. Nope. No fallback? Nothing. No, no, I got some like three out of the six follow back. But I'm like – you think I'm really following you because I want to see your tweets about your cheese curds and your <laughs> and your ugly lawn. I don't want to do that. I'm doing this so you can see the, what we have to offer you. So if we do have any North Dakota Entitled State fans, that, <laughs> if, if we have any North Dakota State fans that do listen and they're just not communicating with us, come, you know, come out of the weeds. Let us know if you're if you're listening. We want to we want to interact with you. You your team won a national championship and we didn't hear anything. Well, I was hoping to hear a little bit of you know s talking here and there, but you know nothing. It was or to tell your friends about us. That's when we've seen a lot of growth. Yep. is when one of our listeners finds us and tells their friends, and everybody else uh, gets to have a nice little uh, chuckle, or they get to follow in, or they find out that we're talking about their team. And it just becomes a nice experience for everybody. Also, I, I've come to a conclusion. I win the the score prediction, Adam Sabula. He oh. got zero of the two right. I got at least one of the two, and we were both four points off in a total differential. So I'm taking the win. Thank you, everybody. I will gift myself. Okay. All right. Well, if you're going to gift it I, to yourself, I have – I'm glad – it makes things easier for me because my gift idea, I don't think I could send to someone else, but I could definitely send it to you. What, what, what's your idea? Uh, it's going to be a surprise. You need to send me your address. I will send you it's something. A surprise. Isn't that self-serving though that uh, <laughs> you're giving yourself <laughs> self-serving? I was right. <laughs> There's a little bit of corruption here at the. Why are you booing me? I'm right. Football <laughs> podcast. <laughs> corruption. I'm just counting the numbers up. <laughs> I, what would you do if you were in my position right now? Would you just give it to Sabula? See, ah, uh... yeah. That's okay, so you're both off by four points. <laughs> yes. And you had a correct number. Oh, that is that is I it is tough. And we did say that if one of us is closer, then one of us is the winner. So that's fair. Thank you. Okay, fine. So I'll give it to you, and you will be receiving your gift from Amazon Prime shortly once so, I place the order. <laughs> so I am the penultimate. FC Estimates champion of the year. Everything else is discarded. Okay. I am the winner. I win this year. Well, this is a good time to plug the Discord. So, FCS fans, though, if you if you are listening in, <laughs> yeah, shameless plug, if you are listening in and you want to find a new way to interact with us, I know that uh, the Reddit community is very active. I'm honestly going to try and get more on Reddit with the FCS subreddit just because of the community on there is just amazing. I, I, I've been a quiet observer just seeing a lot of things that they put out there, but... That community is really good. <laughs> From the shadows. 
<laughs> the, there's also Facebook groups from what I understand, but we want to just add like another element for people to have discussions. And the thing that I love about Discord is one, when we're recording, you can listen in and there's ways I can change the settings so that you can listen in and not get caught saying something that gets picked up. Um, you'd be 100% able to hear us while we're recording. And then in addition to that, we can create chat rooms. So if you want to pop in and have a, a literal vocal conversation with someone, you can do that on Discord. But the other purpose that I love Discord, it allows you to send things in, in again, various chat rooms. And I just kind of want to use this as an opportunity for people to, one, share their fandom, talk some smack, have a little bit of fun. If you're at all interested in the concept, but you're not really sure how Discord works, just send me a message. It's a simple application download. It's very reputable. It's used by a lot of streamers and other podcasters. It's starting to become a really popular thing. So trying to ride the bandwagon here because the biggest way that we want to be different is creating a community. Sean's not even a member of the Discord. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm, I'm in kidding. the Discord. I'm kidding. It was a joke. <laughs> Zilch. Okay. It was a, it was a bad joke. Are we gonna are we gonna stop um beating around the bush and nope. give, give the people what they want here. We will give everyone what they want here. And the final score of this game, 28 to 20 in favor of North Dakota state. It was a hard fought battle. North Dakota state had the heavy hand and was favored in most of this game because they were holding most of the, the momentum throughout the game. And then eventually towards the end, JMU started to fight their way back towards the end of the game but that wasn't enough for them and the game ended up in pretty shocking fashion but let's break this thing down play by play by the big plays JMU scored first seven to nothing on their first drive Stapleton and Danucci connected on multiple passes and eventually Stapleton scored the first touchdown on a reception from about the five yard line they were cooking they were in rhythm they looked really really good on that first drive yeah, the first catch that Stapleton caught, uh, the North Dakota State um, sent the cat blitz, which is cornerback uh, abandoning the receiver, and then the safety is going to come over and uh, hopefully pick it up. But JMU had a great hot read to Stapleton, and he got a big gain there. And then with the touchdown that he caught, the first touchdown of his two, uh, he did a really good job. And like uh, I think it was one of my points of emphasis in the preview show, uh, he was able to create sep separation with his big body and just back his way in and bring the ball to him before anybody else could could touch touch it. I believe it was just a, a real quick slant and he got it and he was just able nobody could reach around him and get the ball. He was able to score. And I mean he's he's Danucci's number one guy and it was evident early that that's who they were going to target most of the game. Yeah, you can't give Stapleton that much separation off the off the line of scrimmage. He was able to get the ball quickly and then a, a failed attempt at blocking him completely bodied the safety who tried to make a play on him. Great play there. And then the touchdown that you pointed out, he's just so huge. It's hard to really push him out of the end zone. If he's carrying his momentum past the goal line, he's so big. He's built like a tight end and it almost makes you think why him, he is not a tight end like his brother is. Um, both of them very, very big, talented in catching the football. If you could direct yourself to the final two-minute drive for JMU, uh, Stapleton's jump ball down the sidelines, I think that could dictate why he's considered a receiver. Fair enough. Eventually, though, after JMU was up 7 to nothing, there's a huge run on 3rd and 11 by Trey Lance. That picks up a ton of yardage. Drive continues and eventually sets up a co-field touchdown as he literally jumps over the pile and into the end zone. One of the more powerful running backs 
for North Dakota State. They're already starting to flash the fact that they were way more physical in this game. And while they have a lot of talent, the way that they're going to beat the hell out of you is literally punching you in the face. Yeah, their running backs, and I'll get to Lance in a second, their running backs were absolute bulldozers all game. And they just took the ball, they ran, they didn't care if they hit their own players or if they hit a defensive player. They just ran through you, and if it was very rare if they were going to get stopped on first contact. And Trey Lance on that run, definitely, I mean, just remind me of like Tim Tebow almost, the way he runs. It's not like he has this Lamar Jackson speed or like the RG3 elusiveness. He just runs the rock like a like a halfback, and it's, it's awesome to see. I've been trying to come up with a Trey Lance comparison, and I have not been able to. I keep thinking Lamar Jackson. I'm like, no, it's a very different running style because while Lamar Jackson is aggressive, he's very, very fast and elusive, and he's shifty, and he cuts, and he, he makes a lot of moves with his feet. But I love that, that comp that you just put out there right there. Tim Tebow is perfect because they're both about 6'3", very, very strong, aggressive runners, not overtly fast. They probably both run like a 4'7", in that range. Oh, I, you think I got Rance, Lance going sub 4'6". Yeah, somewhere in that range. I think Lance is pretty fast, and he'll probably get faster with a couple of years left in his, his career. I, I think that fits perfectly, though, because just seeing the way that he ran specifically in this game is prolific. And the fact that he has three more years left of eligibility is insane for North Dakota State. Now we'll have to see if he actually stays for all three of those years. So first play of the second quarter, uh, then goes 4-6 for North Dakota State. A double reverse to Sproles, who's the cousin of Darren Sproles, for a streaking long touchdown. North Dakota State was not afraid to get creative with it. Another trick play later on the game ended up biting them in the butt. However, they were able to pick up a huge play and a touchdown here because they got JMU to bite. 14 to 10 with 350 left in the half. And it looks like North Dakota State is going to kick a field goal and go up 17 to 10. Try to close things out with a big lead before halftime. However, Hendricks, who is their safety and also their holder, and it you know, makes you wonder, oh, why is their safety a holder? Well, he showed you right here because he kept the ball, he tucked it, and ran it for a touchdown. And watching this play... It, it really makes sense why they went for it and they decided to go because JMU was sending a block right on this play. Nobody was coming from the left. There were maybe three bodies on that side and the offensive line fired out to the left. The right side allowed all that pressure to come from the right. Hendricks went streaking for a wide open rushing lane and he was able to score a touchdown. That call, I mean, is probably the biggest one of the biggest calls of the game. Uh, it's a call that you make when you've been in a national championship before, especially if you've been in a national championship seven times before this one in this last decade. So uh, it's almost a call that's just not surprising. You, you, it's not an on-brand like there are big trick trick plays. Like it's not like the the Seahawks or the Rams, uh, how, how they're kind of prolific with their special teams antics. This is a call that you're like, okay, we analyze this situation and we understand that, that this risk that we're taking here is minimal uh, for the projected gain of this play. So, I mean, it was a fantastic call and it really just sucked the air out of the, out of the stadium for JMU fans. Entz might be a first-year coach, but man, he looked like he's been doing this thing for 10 years with a decision like that, just knowing right time and place, being able to catch James Madison off guard while they're not paying attention and they're being over overly aggressive trying to create that pressure from the right side but they were not at all prepared to pick anything up on the left so 
very creative, risky, but at the same time so calculated, giving them a 21 to 10 lead. JMU then strings together their own quick drive. However, Radke doinks it off the upright, so that kind of kills them that they didn't have those free three points. Nice job burping there, Sean. Starting, we're live mixing this thing. I didn't expect thing, doinks. So it kind of took you by surprise. It, was a, it wasn't like a burp I had to burp. It was like a, like a, a just a reaction. Now, now remember, Sean, we can't giggle like children because, you know, there's no fun allowed oh, to be yes, have while yes, we do this. Sorry. So you got to stay focused. Start of the fourth quarter is the next time Loser. that we see a next big play happening jmu ended up kicking and making a field goal so it's about 21 to 13 no not about it is 21 to 13 right now north dakota state is in a third and 23 things are looking pretty bleak third and 23 is exactly where you want north dakota state because they don't do so well on third and long and neither does trey lance however lance drops back he says to himself hey i don't need to throw this ball I'm faster than everyone on this field. So he tucks in, runs it for a 44-yard touchdown, clearing the first down, and then way past everyone else, almost untouched for the touchdown, giving them a 28-13 to lead. It was a nuts run, and it, this is the brilliance of Trey Lance because he makes cuts with distance. Uh, he reads and evaluates so well. And it, that's what truly elusive guys do. It's not like a Barry Sanders type elusiveness where you're a foot away from him, but you can't touch him, but more like a kick returner that it, he can read what's going to happen and where you're going to be and where you think that he's going to be. So he'll set you up 15 yards away. And then you're wondering why you didn't make the tackle. Well, it's because he knows what you're trying to do. And it's so uh, brilliant to see how he runs and the way that he sets up the fenders and makes them look silly. It almost seems like he's moving at a completely different speed of some of these linebackers and then eventually these safeties trying to make a make a play on him. And I think that anyone who looks at Trey Lance and maybe thinks like, oh, he just tucks it and runs it and he does that too much. He's your typical big scrambling quarterback. I, I beg to differ. I think he's calculated. He's smart. I think he could sit in the pocket and throw it more if he if he really wanted to. But at the same time, he sees an open lane. Why the heck wouldn't he tuck it and run it? He's got that open room to to run, and he saw a wide open green field for 40 yards because they were so desperate in selling out and, and keeping them from passing for a first down. And the other thing, too, is you brought this up, Sean, in the pregame show, in the preview show last week, saying that the North Dakota State, or JMU rather, should have a, a spy on Trey Lance. And where was that in that situation? That's a great question, Joseph. I, I I don't know. That's a that's a, that's a fantastic question. Uh, apparently, they didn't get the memo because they did not seem prepared to stop Lance as he rushed for 166 yards. So 28 to 13, things are not looking good for JMU. They were trying to fight their way back, but a huge play like that is enough to take the air out of you. However, fourth and six with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Danucci. Is leading a drive to set up a score. He keeps it on a fourth and sixth play, and he runs it to the right side and powers through tacklers to pick up a first down, lowers the shoulder, fights through that contact, gets the first down, and then eventually throws a screen pass to Stapleton, 4-6, and then eventually the extra point. 20-28 to is the score at this point. Still very much a ball game. One score game. All JMU needs is a stop. That Danucci run, especially, I think it was 
reflective of the game itself that was being played fighting for every single yard that you can get uh not having the the mental strength to not be denied and have that pushing you along with your physical strength it was a fantastic play on its own but if you had watched that entire game through and through then you understand that there's a little more gravity to that run that Danucci had given how much was on the line and given how hard both teams have been fighting to this point. After North Dakota State gets the ball back, JMU finally gets a stop fourth and two under three minutes. So JMU has everything that they need. They get the ball. They're ready to go on a two minute drill and close out this game, get eight points, tie it right up and potentially send it to overtime. However, this two minute drill starts off very awkwardly for some reason they run a double pass no one is open so Danucci takes a huge loss at the beginning of the two minute drill now this didn't mean anything because they ended up moving the ball down and setting themselves up in a position to score but I just I don't get it I was very very thrown off when they made that play because you don't do that on a two minute drive You, you don't do that with the game on the line with limited time to score and a whole field to move the uh, to get the ball down, right? It, it was a risk. But why? I didn't hate it. It, it was a risk. Why don't you call that earlier in the game? Why would you risk make a, take a risk at this point in the game? Why wouldn't you do something like that earlier on? It just seemed desperate. I don't know. Don't you remember the the Brady to Edelman to Amendola double pass with a fourth down, or it was not fourth down, but it was fourth quarter late in the game. Yeah, recall that. I do. Okay. Well, okay. so it was a risk. All you right. see how that worked in the fourth quarter. Maybe they maybe they were assuming that North Dakota State was not expecting that, uh, given that the standard two-minute drill procedure doesn't involve many trick plays. So you try to get one on over. Maybe you get a forty-yard gain. Maybe you take a, a eight-yard loss. But it, at that point, you're fighting for the national championship. You take a risk to get that forty-yard gain and give yourself a little more breathing room. All right, that's fair. I think that's. I still think that's something you do earlier on, but I don't disagree with your your take on it. They still Thank do you. march it down the field, and they end up setting themselves up on first and goal. They get a little bit of help from some penalties, but they're in a position to score. All they need with four seconds left is to get across that end zone, and they're right there. It's not like they have to throw a Hail Mary. It's not like they need to hit a 60-yard field goal, something crazy like that. They are in position to score a touchdown and eventually set up a two-point conversion. First and goal, though, Danucci throws a pick into what looked like triple coverage with nobody really open. That ball's picked off, run down, and then kneeled, and the game is pretty much over at that point. Terrible way to lose the football game if you're JMU after fighting and clawing your way back, but very, very questionable decision on the one, the play call, and two, where he was throwing it. Looking over, uh, eight seconds left, by the way, Joe. First and goal, JMU had one timeout. After it was picked off, there was four seconds. My fault. there's a lot of speculation. I'm looking at the play right now, actually. A uh, lot of speculation whether or not JMU should have ran the ball. And I'm just giving you my live commentary on it. Uh, it looks like North Dakota State's definitely in bare front. So they got five down, or they got four down linemen and an overhang linebacker. And then they also have one, two, three backers in the box and a safety that's basically in the box also. I don't hate the call to not run it. You're on the right hash. And then you say, okay, we're going to do a rollout left. Rollout left. You have a couple moving pieces going on. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven 
North Dakota State players in the box at this moment. One is trailing a running back going out, uh, and then it was a really good play by North Dakota State to jump that route. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, the the defensive back came from like seven yards deep and was able to jump it and see it. Maybe Danucci should have put more heat on the ball, uh, but I didn't hate the call. You have a lot of people in the box there. Spread it out. Find somebody open. Just a, a tough play, a really good play by North Dakota State defense. Yeah, really, really good play, and it tough situationally that they turn the ball over. And if they had eight seconds, maybe the other thing you do in that situation is try to run it, get a couple yards, call a timeout. Then it's a two-yard gap that you're really trying to, to hit. And it's also a little bit more unpredictable what you're doing. It, it seems like even though they were having so many people in the box, they were fully prepared for them to throw it. And it almost seemed like the, the defensive backs on the play were expecting them to do that. He rolled out left, and there was a, a number of guys in position there and two North Dakota State defenders were in range of being able to make a play on the ball and ends up getting picked off. And again, such a tough way for JMU to lose that football game. So the final statistics from this game, Danucci was 22 of 33, 204 yards and two touchdowns and one interception. Lance, only 72 passing yards, but as we know, he does not need to throw the ball a ton had very few passing attempts in this game. He did, however, like I said, rush for 166 yards on 30 carries because he is that athletic of a runner and that talented of a scrambling quarterback and able to pick up those extra yards, especially on those those extended runs on those passing plays that he had. North Dakota State, though, the big key thing here that you need to acknowledge, outrush JMU 281 to 161. I think that that's the, the underlying thing here that they – bullied them on the ground yeah i mean rushing yards i mean you can put it on rushing yards all you want and if, you, if that's the stat you want to uh, focus in on that's fine i mean it was a well-fought ball game all the way down to the last play so I, I i don't put as much weight into the statistics of this game just as much as i do it was a football game that came down to the last play and at that point stats don't matter and it just matters who's going to make the last play that's how i saw the game so takeaways from this game I frankly think that North Dakota State was just far more physical. I think that they were fighting them throughout the whole game. They were able to run the ball as aggressively as they've done all season. Trey Lance was pushing through tacklers and fighting for extra yards on on some of his quarterback-designed uh, runs. Ty Brooks also a very specific play in the second quarter. He was pushing through contact. No one was able to take him down. I just... Plays like that were very indicative of the whole game, that they were able to fight for those extra yards. They were getting off the line of scrimmage quickly. They were punching JMU's defense in the mouth, and then defensively they were able to create some sacks and pressures and also not allow JMU to run the ball as easily as they typically do. For me, uh, I got a couple things here. Inside running. Who could have called it? Um, We did. By the way, I did. Uh, inside running for North Dakota State, you, I mean, that's their weakest link of their defense, and that's where you ran the ball, and that's where you should have run the ball, and that's why you continue with success running the ball. The offensive line for North Dakota State was so spectacular in this game, not only in just their combination blocks or just their first-level blocks or second-level blocks. I'm talking about their blocks 30 yards down the field, and we've seen that from them all year. Uh, we saw it versus their game uh, versus uh, Illinois State. We saw it all year 
how well they are, how good they are at getting downfield and just continuing to find blocks because their running backs are good enough to make one person miss. So your job now, you don't see anybody go downfield and, uh, and make a block. And that's what they did. Also, Ben DiNucci, he's not Brian Shore. So put the game on him if you want to. You can do that if you're a JMU fan. You can be mad at him. But the middle of your defense got gutted all game, and DiNucci had a 66% uh, completion percentage, two touchdowns, and a pick at the final play of the game. So going into there, he's having a pretty good ball game as your quarterback. So it, I'm not on the, the, the bandwagon of DiNucci's the reason we lost. Uh, we couldn't get it going. None of that. You, play, you played the best team in the country. So you can't put it on that guy. He played as well as a quarterback could have played against that defense. He really could have. And it was probably, I'd say, the best quarterback uh, performance that we've seen against that defense. Jamie, uh, you played really well. That's just how the cookie crumbled, as it were. Uh, but one thing that I took away uh, as I was watching this game, uh, one of the North Dakota State fans, they made a sign that said, we don't rebuild, we rebound. And that is so good of an example of how their season is you lose your head coach uh, to uh, he elevated himself to a FBS school. He did a really good job there. And everyone thought that this would be a rebound year, freshman quarterback, new head coach. Joe and I didn't predict it to be uh, a huge uh, stomping and smashing success as they were, but they rebounded and they, they did their thing and they won it. So I'm, I'm happy for them. It's awesome to see that. I mean, outsider looking in do you think it's been just a continued dominance. They don't ever have any, type of challenges, but you, beginning of the year, you're looking at this team like they got some real challenges. So it, it's a good story for them. Uh, I, that Those are my takeaways. The sign that you brought up is such a great thing to, to account for here because th there's a reason why they've been so successful. They run their program like an elite FBS program like Alabama or, or Georgia or Clemson. The fact that they can keep bringing in the top recruits for the FCS, they can out-recruit a number of FBS, smaller FBS programs in that Midwestern area because they have the allure of winning championships. They can pitch to people, hey, would you rather come here and have a likelihood of winning a national championship in most of your years here or go to Ohio and maybe win the MAC. They can really out-recruit in multiple levels, not just on the FCS, but like I said, on the FBS level. And that is just a huge, huge thing and why they're so successful. And I think a lot of people want to say, oh, why doesn't North Dakota State move up? Or North Dakota State should move up, or they're going to move up. Well, why would you want to move up? You're dominating at this level. And the fan base in North Dakota is so excited and passionate about your program. The fact that you keep winning this many national championships is because of that passion and support from fans. And then addition to the ability to out-recruit other programs. I don't think you'd be able to recruit as well if they moved up. And, and you know, where are they going to move into? They're not going to get a, a Big Ten offer. Um the most likely would be Mountain West. That would make the most sense if they tried to move up. I just don't see it. They they have been so successful in recruiting. They're going to keep dominating the way that they have been. They could go into the American if they wanted to. Also, they don't fit Honestly. geographically in the American though. It just oh, doesn't make any Florida sense. Florida and Cincinnati are so close together, right? Well, they're way further than those schools are together. They'd be traveling thousands of miles for some of those games.
Imagine them having to go down to UCF to go play. That's that's so far. That I just don't think that would make sense. Now, this national championship game was huge for North Dakota State. They won yet another national championship. The dynasty continues, but it wasn't the only news from FCS that we have to acknowledge from this past week. The other thing that happened was the Walter Payton and the Buck Buchanan Awards, the most important awards, were, were announced this past week, and the obvious winner was Trey Lance. We said that there was a strong likelihood of this happening. And if you look at his statistics from the year, he threw for 2,786 yards, zero interceptions, and 28 touchdowns, while also rushing for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns. One of the best players in FCS, and I would argue one of the best freshman seasons ever by a quarterback or a freshman in general in the FCS. And then the Buck Buchanan Award winner was Mr. Dante Olson, who is incredible in his ability to rack up tackles, had over 150 tackles yet again for the Montana Grizzlies. I had the opportunity to talk to him, and he was you know, a great kid to talk with, but still dominant, dominant player at the FCS. Both of these guys really not shocked with the, the decision for both of them to be the winners. I'm fine with either. I don't think anybody should have a problem with uh, either of these guys receiving these awards. They both had uh, tremendous seasons, and they were the best players on each side of their the ball. So, I mean, not much of a reaction to, to really give when you see the body of work that both of them put out this year. Yeah, considering Dante Olsen was nominated for a Butkus Award, it's really not the, 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 the national Butkus Award for even the FBS players. It's really not a shock to me that he won that. Dominant linebacker at the FCS level. He was invited to the East-West Shrine game, which is going on this week. So we'll have to see where his draft stock lands. Trey Lance, however, has a lot left in his career and already a prolific start to it. We'll have to see what ends up happening with him as the offseason is going to be rolling around. Now to cap things off in the final recap show of the season. One last time, Kwame's Corner. And we have a first question from our good friend Nick Massaroni. FCS fans haven't seen a champion other than North Dakota State or JMU since 2010. We keep hearing they aren't going anywhere, so everyone else has to step up, which is true. How long does it take before we see a new champion or a championship team that doesn't involve either team at all? Peter Mooney responded to this, and I thought it was a good response. He said, I agree that the rest of the subdivision is going to have to get better and play more physical in the trenches if they expect to beat either team. Fight fire with fire. So, frankly, Sean, the way that I look at this, there's two ways because whenever we see teams have these dominant strings, they usually move up and then somebody else claims that role as the dominant team and then they move up. Uh, The other option is just finding ways to out recruit them that's really the only way you're going to do it also finding underrated coaches it's just you really need to luck out in either recruiting or or getting a really talented coach if you want to get up to that same level of North Dakota State yeah uh, luck is involved uh, with the personnel or the recruits that you bring in I mean you can see a recruit on paper and then you could look like a a absolute gem and you could pan out to be uh, no you know, not as much as he was, uh, I guess, suited up to be. And then you could have a guy that you brought in on a whim that turns out to be a, a stud for your team and he's a quality player. So it's just a matter of recruiting the right kids and it's a matter of finding the right coaches to develop them. Um, and if they move up, the teams, if they move up, then they move up and then someone else will take the, their place. I mean, that's just how 
how this works. And I expect within uh, that both of these teams will eventually move up. I think the other thing, too, that you have to account for, and we, we've discussed things like this before, and we like talking about this. If you look at North Dakota State and GMU in terms of their environment and also the facilities and the resources that they have, it is the top tier in the FCS in the sense that they have a lot more money than some other programs. The amount of gear that JMU has, the amount of fans they can attract to games, the size of their stadium, a lot of things are very, very tempting for recruits when they see that because they're up to the level of some of these smaller FBS programs compared to you know, comparatively in resources and facilities. And, you know, JMU has the indoor facility in a cold area, which is very tempting as well. But they also get a lot of very, very nice stuff because they have that support, one from the university and also from uh, their their alumni and booster club. Just things like that are, are, I would say, a pretty big deciding factor as well. If you want your program to step up and get better, well, they need to start putting some more money in the program. And a lot of universities are unwilling to, donate and and put money directly into these programs to improve them yeah that's just how it goes yeah peter mooney asked will north dakota state win six consecutive national championships well they are going to be losing a lot of really good players they're losing tusca they're also going to be losing a couple offensive linemen but let's be realistic here they're going to rebound, they're going to rebuild, they're going to refill in that roster with talented recruits and also a lot of really talented depth guys on this team. So I'm not going to be calling them as the national championship already for next season. We're a couple of days away uh, since the previous national championship, but I would not be shocked if they're back in it. Well, if the University of Rhode Island has anything to say about it, they won't be. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, look at the, the quarterback's a freshman. Lance is a freshman. You see that, and barring knock on wood injury, they'll be back. Uh, that's my prediction. All right, that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. We will likely. There's a chance we might have another show for this week, so just stay tuned on what we're going to be doing with that. If not, we'll be hearing from us at the beginning of next week, but we wanted to tease a little bit what we're going to be doing this off season. The first thing that we're going to be releasing probably around the end of the senior bowl, a little bit later, maybe around the, 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 the combine as the draft process really starts to ramp up. Don't want to put them out too early. The project that I teased a while ago, what we essentially were doing was interviewing draft prospects. We spoke to six guys and two of them are playing in the senior bowl. The others are playing in the East West shrine game, had great conversations with all of them. And we put together very small, quick hit audio documentaries for them where we had conversations with them and broke down the things that they told us and the very interesting things they broke down about their lives and their careers and various things and their aspirations to play in the NFL. So it's a little bit different than your typical interview. We're trying to do something that really is not being done one at the, the FCS level, but in general for sports media, there's not a lot of these audio documentary style pieces where it's, it's focusing on the really key quotes that you're getting from these guys. So Sean and I both took some time to work on it, and uh, we're really excited for when we start releasing those, so stay tuned for those. And then also we're going to be working on a plan for the offseason, but we're going to be doing a lot of breaking down of the important things that happened this past season as well as previewing things for next year. 
and also obviously discussing the NFL draft and what it means for FCS players. A lot of things are on the docket for coming up in the offseason. If you have any thoughts, ideas, questions, things you want to hear from us, make sure you reach out to us on Twitter. We're more than open to discuss various topics. If there's certain things you want us to hit on in the offseason, you can tweet at us at Joe DeLeon and at Sean Anderson. Also, make sure you follow Oh, so at Sean Anderson 65. Got to make sure I have the 65 on there because Sean Anderson. Thank you. Yeah, he doesn't have the other Sean Anderson account. Um, who is Sean Anderson on Twitter? Let me look it up right now. Okay. I'm on Twitter right now. Let's see here. Uh, Going to know you're focused. Um, <laughs> also follow Bleav Podcast, spelled B-L-E-A-V, podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to check them out online on their website, B-L-E-A-V.com. You found it? Yeah. Uh, at Sean Anderson, hey, get this, um, egg avatar, oh, no. blank, blank background picture, zero following, 10 followers, <laughs> joined December 2010, and has zero tweets. Oh. Thanks! <laughs> Thanks! Uh, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> this idiot! It's not like you can hey, even Twitter, read, reach him. out to him. Purge it! <laughs> Twitter has said that they are going to start getting rid of those accounts, so it frees well, up handles. Well, when they do, let me know. <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta watch, you gotta watch that thing like an auction, man. You gotta, that is absolutely absurd. Some Sean Anderson from like Idaho is gonna come stealing that thing the minute it gets free if you don't move quick enough. Let's see. If also Sean underscore. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, or wherever you can find a podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, have a wonderful rest of your day. Sean, is there a Sean underscore Anderson? Yes. uh, Sean underscore Anderson. Quantitative ecology, fisheries, biology, R, data visualization. How many followers? Nanaimo, Nanaimo, Canada. Uh, 964. So, I mean, oh, he's, better I than he's earned it. Yeah, he's earned it. 408 tweets. Nope, he hasn't earned it. He's not grinding, but he joined uh, October 20, 2008. So I'll give him the uh, benefit of the uh, legacy there. All right. Well, we'll end on that note. Stay tuned for the offseason, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.